0: The rugged individualism that defines America has always been bound by a sheer set of values, an enduring sense that we're in this together, that America is not a place where we simply turn away from the sick or turn our backs on the tired, the poor, the huddled masses. It is a place sustained by the idea, I am my brother's keeper, I am my sister's keeper.
1: In a time of rapid change, where 90% of the West lives in metropolitan counties, Bound to their work, it's tempting to fantasize about living in a cabin away from civilization. No shirt and tie, no commuter bus, no mindless yet taxing work for the gain of somebody else. This is a story about rugged individualism and its evolution.
2: I grew up very small. I graduated from high school and weighed 120 pounds. And I'd have told you probably without much hesitation that I'd not work any of those goddamn football players on that football team up there any day of the week. 120
1: pounds. This is Doug McDaniel, an 82 year old fourth generation rancher from Wallawa County, Oregon.
2: That's pretty big love and bullshit there, but, but I was a believer of it. And that's what, you know, I always had jobs. I had guys coming to me and wanting to hire me to work for them. You know, my milk cows, five o'clock in the morning, you can get home, I mean, come back to school and go to school get up in the afternoon and go back and help milk those cows and things. But I just had a reputation, and and work was fun for me. Work to me was, how much can I get down here? If you're a hard enough worker, you can be totally independent.
1: He talks to us on his property, a modest piece of land he's worked for 50 years. His thumbs rest comfortably in the pockets of his worn blue jeans as he stands in front of the creek he spent the last few decades restoring.
2: Well, I I, I mean, I've always thought this was the greatest place in the world. You know, I've put
1: hundreds and hundreds of days in and that stretch up there my lifetime. Doug embodies the sentiment of rugged individualism that the West was founded upon. He's a workhorse. He has experience in business, construction, ranching and more. Taking his calloused, wrinkled hands out of his pockets, he examines them with a smile.
2: That's a super appendage. You know, and it's capable of a um, mountain of work. I don't think I ever asked a man to do something I wouldn't do. The job was, you know, if it was going to be a bad job and I flat-ass wouldn't have done it for anybody, well, I didn't ask anybody to do it for
1: me. Doug's grit is contagious. In Wallowa County, rugged individualism seems to be alive and well. I left his ranch feeling inspired. For the entire next week, I wore my Green Riverlight Builder shirt from carpentry work last summer tucked into my Carhartt pants. Driving through open landscapes and small towns, I kept having the same thought. I could build a self-reliant life here. On the Navajo Nation, I found a similar sense of individualism and self-sufficiency in 60-year-old Dan Herder. We spent a few days camping on his property in Black Mesa. He describes the closing of the Navajo Generating Station, a coal-burning power plant that provides many jobs on the reservation, and how people will survive without it
2: right now, a majority of the, the the people there they're just dependent on the government. that's the problem too. They don't even plant or they don't even have animals, and they just stay home and that's those those are the ones that are going to hurt but here we we teach our kids to that's what we were taught when we were growing up is to have these things you have a farm, have a uh, livestock too. You can't really depend on on outside uh, work because day they, they might day, my like the mine is shutting down.
1: Like Doug, Dan has dedicated almost all his life to working his land. He lives 45 minutes from the nearest town and has to follow a series of dirt roads that frequently get washed out to get there. Without connectivity, he's learned to live with what he can do himself. The feeding trough in his horse corral is an old refrigerator he found. Old, junked cars are buried in the arroyo to block sediment, fostering plant growth for his sheep. The Navajo Generating Station is the largest coal-burning plant west of the Mississippi and relies on coal from a mine nearby on the reservation. Both the plant and the mine are run by non-natives, and because of their size, the Navajo are reliant on them for jobs and government funding. In 2019, the plant and mine are set to shut down. Isolated, self-sufficient people like Dan won't see their lives drastically change, but many people on the reservation face an uncertain and scary future. Two days earlier on the Navajo Nation, we met with Brett Isaac.
0: My name is Brett Isaac. <clears throat> so I, I grew up uh, in this area, mostly Navajo, and there's just uh, a bit of Hopi in there as well, the Hopi tribes from just
1: uh, over, over the ridge. For the past 10 years since graduating from Arizona State University, he's applied his ambition to the solar company he started. Navajo Power. The company brings solar to some of the 18,000 Navajo homes currently off the grid, while also planning to create a massive industrial solar plant that would replace the Navajo generating station as a battery for much of the southwest.
0: We're getting close on closing in on the land acquisition for 12 square miles, so this would be a solar plant that large, which would be in the US probably the largest.
1: Others have tried to bring renewable energy to the Navajo nation before, but have yet to succeed on a large scale. Brett attributes his success to his hard-nosed attitude.
0: I think I'm wired a little different than everyone else out here, because I don't see these um, negative effects as, you know, ongoing problems. I see them more as opportunities for us as, you know, for, for me as a Navajo, and for the people living in this area to start resolving and make some really good struts. That kind of work is what really was separated me from anyone else that you know ever attempted this is not only did I have you know the the business-based resources and and I guess the planning type of formal um, schooling I also had the nitty-gritty bust bust your knuckle kind of mentality as well too
1: Brett sees his work as part of a broader goal self-sufficiency and sovereignty for the Navajo people without the grip of the Navajo generating station
0: they estimate that 70 cents of every dollar made on the Navajo Nation is exported off. It's spent at border towns. It's spent at off reservation things. So there's not a reciprocate. There's just no. There's no businesses here. There's there's no companies that have started that think that kind of way. So in order for us to be effective in not just bringing another colonizer, which which solar really could be if, if it's done the wrong way. We said we want to start something that's going to actually play a role in helping communities take the initiative in developing their own economies to whatever they want it to look like. We don't have to rely on someone else to solve that problem. We'll take care of it internally.
1: Brett's personality is similar to the old timers Doug and Dan, but he's implementing it differently. Maybe he represents a new generation of rugged individualism. Instead of working and living with his family off a small property, Brett uses his drive to encourage independence in hundreds of other people.
0: Because that's what I had to do. I had to solve things I didn't understand by doing it myself, you know. And I think that's something I'm trying to invoke in a lot of the people that, you know, I impact, that that I work with, my customers, um, you know, coworkers, and all the things that I do.
1: Brett channels his own individuality to bring that out in others. It's possible to be rugged, independent, and also connected. From National Public Lands Radio, I'm Luke Ratliff.